welcome, welcome to the Hermit Style Podcast with your hosts, Jimmy Bacon and Mike Runchuti, talking all about the Dragon Ball Super Card Game, presented by Team TCG Mafia and produced by Lobat. Yo, yo, yo! What's up, everybody? Hermit Style Podcast is back. It's Thursday, September 16th. Welcome back to the show. We have a stacked episode. I have a ton to talk about. I have a special guest on. I won't leak who it is just yet. Uh, I will give one... uh, I'll give you a little hint. It is someone from Mike's team. That's the only hint I'll give you. But we had a great time. A ton of great info all about Gen Con. So we're talking about... What we think we're going to see at Gen Con, um, you know, the big decks in the room, some of the rogue decks, strategies against them, side deck cards. Um, he gave a real spicy tech, uh, so you'll definitely want to check that out. But uh, yeah, before we get into that, we have a lot of other things to talk about. I actually broke down collector selection. I broke down the numbers. Shout out to uh, Jacob is confused in the Discord. He helped me out a lot with it, and uh, I found out a lot of really actually shocking information about collector selection. So you'll definitely want to hear that if you're interested in purchasing any of the cards from volume one, or if you're interested in picking up a sealed volume two, because pre-orders to my knowledge are still available on premium Bandai. Uh, But ton to talk about, Uh, should be really fun. But before we get into it, I have to talk about my mail day today. Mail day was fire. This was probably... This may be the best mail day I've ever had for DBS, at least the biggest. It was probably the biggest outside of maybe getting all of my slabs back from PSA the first time where I sent all my SIGs and my Awakened Power. Outside of that, probably the biggest mail day I've ever had. And I, the, the crazy part was not planned and I didn't know. The tracking actually wasn't working for my, my one package and I had no idea that it was actually coming today. Uh, but day starts... I, Someone knocks on the door, I go out, and I just see this gigantic box. All my anniversary boxes came in. Oh, amazing feeling. My favorite product. I bought four cases. So this box was huge. It was the biggest box Dragon Ball that's ever come to my door. And, oh, man, the cards do not disappoint. You know, I, I had already picked up two boxes, but this is four cases. So this is 16 boxes and oh, they're so, 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 so nice. The foiling's amazing. The texture's amazing. They did an incredible job. Even the bad cards, even the ones that aren't as hype, they're, they're still nice. They're still decent. <laughs> Maybe I won't say nice. Like, I, I don't know if I can call medical or ever nice, but it's, it's decent, you know? <laughs> uh, but man, they're incredible. Some of them just blew me away. Some of my favorites right now are the 10 drop SS4 Gogeta. That card's beautiful. Uh, the, um, oh, the Cell, Infernal Villainy Cell. That card is incredible. The kanji and the gold foiling, that card, phenomenal. My favorite, probably the Black Vegeta Super Combo, another kanji one. I'm a sucker for the kanji arts. Um, but the gold and the black, that's always such a dope combo. And like the position of, uh, I don't know. The card's sweet. You have to see it foil. I already thought it was one of my favorites and I saw it in person and it was better than anticipated. Um, so I'm very, very happy with the purchase and I will have lots for sale. So if y'all are picking up any anniversary box cards, I probably have all of them. Uh, you can hit up my TCG player store. They will be listed shortly or just message me. That's the easiest way to get a hold of me. And, um, I'll, I'll try and get you what I can. Please be patient. If you message me, I don't respond right away. 
Uh, lately, I've been getting a lot of messages from people wanting to buy different things, and it can be a little hard to keep up with. So if I don't respond right away, I promise I'm not intentionally ignoring you. Sometimes it does just take me a little bit to circle back through. And if you don't hear from me, you feel free to message me again. You are not bothering me at all. Just know I'm not ignoring anyone. <laughs> I And I feel bad because every now and then I miss one. Um, but I've I've been getting blown up lately with people just wanting different cards, different things. So just bear, bear with me a little bit <laughs> as I, uh, as I get back to you. I'm usually pretty quick though. Usually, usually I'm pretty fast. So any anniversary box cards that you need, let me know. I'll hook you up. Uh, especially members of the discord, you know, I always hook you guys up and, uh, yeah, I, I should have whatever it is that you're, you're looking for, for the most part. Some of the SS4 cards I may not have. I kept a lot of those for myself because as you guys know, I'm really, really hype on that deck. So now that I have all my fools and I finally have my leader, uh, I'll be I'll be messing with that a lot here in the very soon future. But uh, yeah, that was really exciting. Getting all 16 boxes of anniversary box. That was super exciting. But then also my new slabs came back from PSA. And oh, although I was excited... The grades were not good. The Goku Frieza's mm, eight and a nine. I could not believe the eight. The nine was like, okay, that's fine. It was a nine. I kind of expected that one was going to be a nine, but man, the other one an eight. I said, oh my gosh, that's terrible. I thought the nine was probably gonna be like a nine five. I thought the eight was probably going to be a nine. So to me, that's two L's. It felt bad. Uh, they were they were graded by Beckett. And the crazy part is they gave like a seven or something to the edges. And we like, we can't find anything wrong with the edges or the corners of the card. Like we can't find, we've been looking at it up and down. We cannot find one thing wrong with them. So I have like no idea what they dinged us for. Um, we cannot figure it out. We, we looked at the card for a while. I, I don't know. I'm half tempted to break the thing out and resend it just to see. Cause there's a lot of there. It can be pretty subjective to people, whoever you get that's grading that day. But maybe maybe I recent I get someone better, but that's also a lot of money to spend, and it might get the same grade. I don't know what I'm gonna do, but it was a bummer. Uh, that said, it does look nice in the case. The eight, eh, the label, I don't know. Not not a fan of the white label, but the nine, not bad. Not bad with the silver label. I do wish it was that gold, but what what can you do? I have one more Goku freeze I'm gonna send, so we'll see if I get a, a better grade on that one. That one looks flawless. Like there's no print. Like the other one we weren't expecting was gonna get like a perfect. Like definitely was not a candidate for a black label. There were some print lines, but this one that I'm about to send, that one looks almost perfect. There's one tiny, tiny, tiny little mark that is on most Goku freezes. It is on even black labels that I've seen. There's a tiny, tiny little surface mark right to the right of Goku's chest. Uh, my friend Chris, who's also sponsoring this month's giveaway, give him a follow, Seer of Collects. He was helping me look at it. And um, other than that, which those cards are already getting black labels, looks flawless. So we're going to send it in Shire Luck, see what happens. I'll keep you guys posted. Uh, oh, and also I got my Apex back too. If y'all don't, if y'all didn't hear on the on the few episodes back, I talked about I sent my Apex. It got a 9.5, but came back cracked. It cracked in the mail. Beckett very kindly offered to recase it for free. So we sent it in with our last order. Got that back and it's perfect. It's beautiful. I love it. Um, so yeah, though, very, very exciting. So huge mail day for me. But anyways, I will stop rambling. We have a ton of news. We have collector selection. Great guest. Tons to go over. Uh, let's keep things rolling. News from the lookout. All right. So news for today. Actually, um, man, lately I feel like there's just so much news. I feel like when we started, there wasn't as much news. And now I can like barely keep up. 
<laughs> to make sure I'm like hitting everything going on. Um, and a lot of it's hermit style news, which is really cool. Uh, so biggest news, we have two brand new sponsors, uh, Kyle Ken cards and DBSCG Canada, Dragon Ball super card game, Canada. I kind of referenced it before, but here's your official announcement. Two brand new sponsors. Very, very excited to have them. Um, Kyle Ken cards. That's Lucas Rosas. As you, uh, I'm sure you've talked to him before in the discord. Uh, he's been playing a lot of games in there. He is a Twitch streamer and YouTuber. If you watch fight night, that was who was streaming fight night on Twitch. Kyle Ken cards. So definitely show him some love. Give him a follow. I have his, uh, his channel set up in the discord. So if you, um, if you go to his channel, master Roshi has a post and you can react to the post and then you will get notifications anytime he goes live on Twitch or anytime he posts a new uh, YouTube video. It's called the Timbits gang. That's what he calls his people. So join the Timbits gang, jump in, uh, lots of great content, show him some love. Like I said, and then, of course, we also have Dragon Ball Super Card Game Canada. Uh, we have, he's actually in the in the Discord as well. Uh, Christian, phenomenal graphic designer. He actually did some art for me for Hermit Style that I'm going to be releasing soon. And he did an amazing job, just killed it. But great person, and he runs a great Facebook group. For anyone that is in the Canadian Dragon Ball scene, you definitely want to be in his group. It has all the latest that's going on there. Um, where you can play online. Um, there's lots of actually, I've found there's actually lots of Canadian, um, like it's like, I think it might be like local stores, but they run a lot of webcam tournaments as like locals where you can win prizing. Um, I, I'm assuming that's probably because you guys have been on a stricter lockdown than us here in America. Uh, so that, that's probably a great way for you all to play and still get your local prizing. So definitely jump in the group. There's a lot of opportunities to play DBS in there. And, uh, yeah, but again, great person, great graphic design, and they do a lot of buying and selling. So he also has a channel in the discord. It's called DBSCG Canada. And same thing. You can go to Roshi's post, react to it. And both him and Kyle cards, as well as all of our other sponsors with channels in the discord, the post is pinned. Okay, so that's how you find it. If you go to pin posts, it's right there. It's the, usually the only post that's pinned there. And uh, just click click Master Roshi's post and then react to it. And then you are signed up for notifications. And if you want notifications to all of our sponsors, you can go to the Connect With Us channel in the Discord. All you have to do is react one time and then you sign up for everything. Hermit Style as well as all of our sponsors. But very excited to have them on board. Lot I can just feel lots of collabs and exciting things happening with them. So really excited for what the future holds. And again... Show them some support, jump in their groups, jump in Lucas's stream, talk some shit, <laughs> let, let him know. <laughs> ask about his piss. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, you have to go back and watch the uh, team talk I was on with Team Berserk is hysterical. <laughs> Lucas is a character. I'll just leave it at that. If you don't, like I said, don't know what I'm talking about, go watch Team Talk, watch his streams. You are guaranteed to laugh. Uh, but great person, again, you know. Definitely jump in there. But also, another news, man, another partnership. Uh, I will be at the Virginia Beach Card Show on September 25th. I actually talked to the event organizer, and um, I'm actually hopefully going to have him on the podcast sometime very soon. I might do even a special episode drop with him uh, talking about his event. But it's a card game convention for everyone here in Hampton Roads. And even if you're out of town, I want to travel in for it. It's a really cool event. I'm going to be there. I'm going to have a booth set up with a ton of cards. Uh, my friend Chris that I referenced earlier in the episode, uh, hopefully he's going to be able to make it there with me so we can show off some different slabs, graded slabs, and kind of show the collector community what Dragon Ball is all about. So definitely if you're in the area or plan to be in the area, come out, 
see what it's all about. They're going to have all different kinds of card games, all different kinds of collectibles from Pokemon to sports um, to Funko Pops, all different kinds of things. I'm personally very excited to walk around and just learn more about other worlds and other things that people collect because I'm so, I, I, I feel like I'm so naive. Like I don't, I don't know enough about these other collectible things and I'd love to learn more about them. So it's a great event just to come out and network. Uh, but again, it's going to be September 25th. I'll have the poster up in the discord. I think it's already in there in announcements. I'll also have it on my Instagram and I'll be posting about it, but it's at the crown plaza at town center, uh, in Virginia beach starts at 10 AM goes until 6 PM. It's going to be a great time. Hopefully I'll see you there. All right, and now we also have the Hermit Style World Tournament coming up. I keep saying it. If you're not in it, I don't know why. If you're free on October 2nd, go in the Discord, sign up for the Hermit Style World Tournament. We just announced more prizing. As if this prizing wasn't already stacked enough. I feel like I literally add something new to it every week. You're already getting a custom one-of-one metal card designed by Chris Anderson, TCG Metals. You're already getting a Hermit-style playmat from a limited print run. You're already getting a special guest spot on the show, cash prizing, a custom leather key tag. There's other things I'm probably forgetting. XP in the Discord. But now there is also a playmat also designed by Promats, just like the Hermit-style one. But he made this special for the world tournament it says winner on there and it is a halloween special of all of the ladies of dragon ball go look at this mat once you look at this mat there's no way you don't want to play in this tournament to win this mat i think he's only printing two that i'm aware of he's doing one for our tournament one for other one other tournament that's all that i'm aware of that is printing so this will likely be a two of two mat <laughs> um so definitely check that out. Jump in and register. Uh, it's only 10 bucks. It's going to be a blast. And Lobat Productions is going to be streaming the whole thing. I'll be commentating. I'm um, hoping I have Mike on there with me commentating. May have some other guest commentators. Uh, it's it's going to be super fun. If you can't actually play in the event, definitely check out the stream. I cannot talk up Lobat enough on how amazing of a job they do production-wise. It will be nothing like you've ever seen before. And I'm going to be doing giveaways throughout the whole thing. So definitely check that out. Uh, next week, I will be kind of going in a little bit deeper with all the info on how to watch since then it'll only be a week out. But yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely get in there now. Uh, also, the next Community Spotlight segment is up for grabs. Last week, we had Sesma on the show. If you would like to be on the next Community Spotlight segment, hop into the Discord. Make sure you get to level seven. That's, of course, your Turtle School fighter role. And then uh, you, all you have to do is react to the post in the Community Spotlight channel. And then I will select one lucky winner to jump on the pod. I don't have a date exactly that I'll be selecting the winner yet. But if you're listening, jump in now. If you're not level seven, get some XP. Lots of ways to get XP. You can invite friends to the Discord. You can uh, give the podcast review on Apple on Apple Podcasts. You can share it on social media. Lots of different things you can do. It's all outlined. But definitely hop in if you want your spot, you know, your chance to fame. Hop on the show with me and talk Dragon Ball. All right, and here's what a lot of you have been waiting for, the collector's selection breakdown. I've been saying I'm going to do this for a while. I finally sat down and ran the numbers. This took me, I want to say probably like two hours to run all this data. It was a lot, okay? So here's what I did. I broke down collector selection volume one, and I broke it down individually by card, and then I broke down volume two. Okay. Now we obviously don't know where the prices will hit for volume two. It's still months before volume two will be released, but I broke down every single card of where they're at currently in the market. 
Okay. And I broke it down a few different ways. I listed the price for every rarity of the card that is foil. I don't care about the non-foils. They're not going to be relevant in terms to this analysis. We only care about the foil pricings and above. So we're talking foils, uh, SPRs. We're talking um, pre-release stamp, judge stamp, anything like that. I threw those prices on there so I could get an idea of the range of where these cards go for in regards to pricing and the range of where they go, you know, how, how they move up in pricing in regards to rarity. Um, so I'll quickly go through and um, let's see, I guess we'll start with volume two. We'll start with the volume two card. So we have Violent Rays, of course, in the set. Violent Rays currently going for $17 or $19, depending on which version you get. Um, Goku Hope of Universe 7, which is, by the way, beautiful card in volume two. Um, I wish they picked a different Goku because obviously everyone wants the Goku Sig. But I, I guess it's a good compromise. You know, Goku Sig is pretty much not attainable for players at this point because it's just... God, the, the, what is the car going for a roll? Like $1,000 right now? Um, I don't know. It it goes up and down, but it's a lot. Uh, so this is definitely a good alternative. So you don't have to go broke trying to uh, get a max rarity deck. You can settle for the collector selection one, which currently the normal SR goes for $7. Uh, next, we have Frieza, Ca Charismatic Villain, the counterplay from set 10. SR goes for $20. SPR goes for $22. Uh, we have Goku Nimbus Master, which currently goes for 19. Launch the Pure Hearted, which goes for five. Trunks Heroic Prospect, which we currently have four different versions of. They range from $6 to $7 to $15 to $22, the most expensive being the winner alt art version. Then we also have uh, Mass Saiyan Brainwash No More. Um, that is actually, funny enough, $7 for the non-foil, $6 for the foil. I found that interesting. Uh, we have Mecha Frieza Robotic Repost. That was one of the recent champ pack cards, $24. SS3 Gogeta Martial Melee, $14 for the non-winner, $21 for the winner. Uh, we have the Goku Vegeta Saiyan Synergy. Um, that has the tournament promo non-foil in the winner version, $10 and $30 respectively. Uh, then we have all the super combos. All the super combos have three different rarities. We have foil, SPR, and you can't forget about the pre-release stamp because remember that these are uncommons. Um, so Napa ranges from four to twenty dollars. Zamasu from four to twenty. Whis from two to ten. Uh, Android eighteen from three to twenty-five. Beerus from four to twenty, and Jero from two to eight. Uh, we have Energetic Frenzy Keflo, which is at three dollars. Soul Striker four to ten dollars, uh, and that's everything. So, if you take all these cards at the lowest possible current market value, and when I say market value, what I really mean is TCG low as of when I did this, which was last night, <laughs> uh, the low total was $163. So right off the bat, you've made money. You cannot tell me that collector selection, right? An alt art version of these cards that arguably looks better in almost every single one, almost. There's no way that that is not worth more than the current low of these cards. Now, obviously months from now, things can change. The low of these cards can drop lower but they can also increase. So the low at 163 makes me personally extremely confident to buy as much of this product as I want at a $90 price tag, because I know for a fact at this point, I mean, maybe not a fact, right? But I know at least that I feel confident buying this and saying, Hey, no matter what I plus on this product, I don't have to worry about losing my money or sinking my money in this to where 
because, you know, I mean, it isn't all about the money, but you also don't want to drop $90 if you think the product will be worth $45 in a week, right? Uh, that I don't see that personally being the case. Again, as I always say, this is not financial advice. This is for pure entertainment, but that's my opinion. But now let's take it a step further, right? So let's look at the average. So what I did was I averaged out all the prices from lowest rarity to max rarity. I took an average of every single card and added up that average. That average came out to $236. So now we are sitting at over double the price of the collector selection price tag. Collector selection is $90. $236 is the current average of these cards already on the market. And then the high, if you take the highest rarity, which personally I think we need to lean more towards that way, $292. So $292 for the current highest rarity of these cards, you're now over triple the price of collector selection. Now, use these numbers as you will. I'm not saying that this is going to absolutely definitively be worth more than $292. That's certainly not the case. But I would, for me, this makes me feel very confident about purchasing it. Um, but as I was running these numbers, I was like, well, we have a long time till this releases. So I was like, why don't I take a look at where the prices of the first collector selection volume came and also even look at those cards of their low rarities and high rarities without collector selection alt arts. I just wanted to see where they went. So when I ran my analysis for volume one way back, this was maybe, uh, I don't know, February, uh, maybe, maybe I think it was February back in February, I did the same exact analysis, right? I ran all the numbers for collector selection volume one and the old low. So the lowest rarity of these cards all added up was $173. That is eerily close to the current low for the cards for volume two at 163. There's only a $10 difference there. And the old high was ranged from 252 to 298 way back in February when I first ran the analysis for volume one, which is also eerily close to the current high that I ran for volume two of $292. What this shows me so far and Trust me, we, we're going to go a lot deeper. But what this tells me so far is that the numbers are so close, we could see almost the exact same pattern with this product. Now, there's obviously a lot of variables that go into play here. Um, but so far, they're looking very, very, very similar as far as value goes. So I said, okay, well, let's see how much everything has actually changed. So what I did was I took the current value like as of yesterday, of all the cards of collector's selection, and I compared them to where they initially went. So currently, if you bought singles of everything from collector's selection, volume one, currently, you would have to spend $500 from TCG Low to pick up one of every single copy. That is insane. Do you know sealed copies of collector selection are currently at $300? You buy one, you plus 200. What? Plus 200 if you buy a sealed copy of this. Listen, I personally am not buying it because once I sell and take off the 15% pay for shipping, there isn't a ton of money in it. But there's, I mean, man, I would not blame anyone for picking this up and just flipping it because why wouldn't you? $300 is a, I don't know. I don't think that's going to be end up being the correct price point for this sealed product. Um, so very interesting that the singles come out to be $500 all added up. 
Um, another interesting thing that I saw was currently I took all of the cards at their lowest rarity from volume one, right? So I took, you know, like Goku Saiyan Instincts. I took the lowest rarity. Uh, Goku Black Unforeseen Darkness. That was one I used the non-foil on because the foil is absurdly high. Um, you know, Heartfelt Plea. I took the super rare version. So forth and so on. I won't go through each one individually like I just did because just will have me blabbering too long. But currently, all of those cards added up are still $188. So let's backtrack. When I ran this these numbers back in February, the current lowest rarity of the cards from volume one was $173. The price has gone up. These cards are worth more. That blew my mind. I was like, there's no way the market has been tanking. No, they have gone up to $188. Not much It's a $15 increase, but when you're expecting a harsh decrease, that's crazy. So if you were worried about the card from volume two plummeting, which granted they're different cards. So I'm not saying the same exact thing will happen, but this is another thing that helped me to feel more confident about purchasing this product. The fact that now we're pushing what, um, a year, not a year, but almost a year, 10 months, maybe since I've ran my first analysis and the value has gone up for the lowest rarity. And if you get the highest rarity, it ranges from $307 to $352. Right now, if you buy the highest rarity of these cards, excluding the collector selection art, so if you buy the SPRs, um, the pre-release, whatever, the highest rarity, it ranges from 307 to 352. Well, way back when it was 252 to 298, these cards have gone up about $50 at the highest rarity. So we are seeing high rarity cards maintain their price and increase that they picked from collector selection. Again, this just makes me more and more confident that with this new product, it's going to be a success. And I'm definitely, I'm confident that it's going to be a W. I'm confident this is going to be a win for buying this product. Um, I, I do want to say one more thing too. I actually looked at the sale prices from the collector selection volume one cards themselves. So talking about the actual cards from volume one themselves, the collector selection arts, very interesting what happened with the market. Basically, if you look at trends, it made a complete U-shape. So they started off selling very high, right? So I'll give you an example. Um, let's look at, let's see. Okay, let's look at Goku Black Unforeseen Darkness. It started selling at about $40. I omit it any extremely way off the chart number. Like if there was one sale for like $50 more and then everything else was 40, I, I called it 40. Um, so I omit it, that kind of data. But Goku Black Unforeseen Darkness started at $40 at one point dropped below 20 pretty consistently and then shot back up to where it's currently $33. And we see this trend for the majority of almost every single card. So we need to learn from this, right? We're trying to learn the market. We're trying to learn the trends. So what this tells me is one, if you have this product and are planning to sell what you don't want, or you have specific goals in mind, you need to really make sure that you have a plan of action because if you wait, you could definitely lose money. So if you're planning to buy this product and keep half the cards and sell the other half to try and, you know, recoup your cost of buying the product, then you need to get this product right away and sell it immediately because we see the prices at the start have a high premium, which we kind of tend to do in Dragon Ball. But let's say you miss the mark or maybe you change your mind later and maybe in a couple of weeks you're not so high on them and you're seeing prices tank. 
Well, if these trends remain the same, what we're going to see is after about a month, once the initial set that is released to the market is sold, we're seeing the prices shoot right back up for all of these cards. Like almost every single one is shooting back up right now. That is crazy. So we're also seeing that if you want to sell, but wait, it's important to see what's going to happen with the market if it rises back up. And the great part is there isn't much of a risk in this because even if it doesn't come back up, if you sell even at the lows, you still will most likely make your money back from the prices that I've looked at. That's another reason to be confident about this purchase. Uh, so th these numbers were all very, very exciting to me. Um, and then if you're planning on just buying singles, but don't need them right away, my advice is wait, don't buy the product, wait until a couple weeks after release where we see these big dips and then go in and get what you need. I believe it was around August. So probably about, a, I guess about a month till we saw the real big dips. Um, that was when, that was the time to buy. I mean, we saw scientist food drop down to like $2 at one point and now it's back up to 13. Obviously those are small numbers, but that's a, that's over 500% increase. That's crazy. Um, so yeah, I was just looking through all these and was like, I have to get this info out to everyone on the podcast because it's just, it's so interesting to me. I'm also a numbers person. I'm a data person. So I like to look at this stuff cause I'm weird. Um, but yeah. So just to give you a couple quick more, I guess, fun facts. So we saw eight of the 19 cards from Collector Selection Volume 1 have a 30% dip or more after the release. We saw that the remaining five, or I'm sorry, we saw that there were five others that have either gone down slightly or have either pretty much remained constant. Um, and there was 19 cards total, so five of the 19. And then we saw six of them uh, have basically gone up um, pretty drastically. Um, but all experienced a dip of some sorts, but there were six that maintained relatively high. Like if you look at like Zamasu, it had a dip down to like 40, but that's still a, a pretty good premium. And then it shot back up. We saw like Saiyan Instincts drop a little bit, but it still demanded a premium for the card. Um, so overall, I would say we had six up, we had eight down, and we had five remain relatively constant. Um, and like I said, what we can gather from this is it's very safe to sell right away. The worst time to sell is about a month after the release. And if you wait another month after that, we hopefully will see a rise back up um, in, in those prices. So very interesting. It's also very interesting to me how much the players have influenced these prices and not collectors. I was expecting collectors to actually really influence this product, but they really didn't. Um, and the reason I say that, and the reason I know that is because a lot of these prices reflect playability in the game, not collectability of the card. Um, if it was collectability of the card, I would expect Gogeta to have a much higher premium. That's a much more collectible card than like, uh, Saiyan instincts. I don't think that card is as collectible as a Gogeta. Uh, or if we look at Zamasu, like, yeah, it's a cool card. You can collect it, but I don't think it's a Gogeta, uh, in, in the eyes of a collector. So very interesting to me that they haven't. And I think that's purely due to numbers. I think there's a lot more players than collectors in the market. Collectors make impact over time where players have an immediate impact. Um, so at this point where it goes from here, I don't know. There's, I mean, there's a chance that maybe we just see this U shape, um, just continue to skyrocket up because now collectors can actually do their work and take the remaining ones off the market and continue to take them. Uh, I don't know. And if there's a card that collectors and players want moving forward, it, that could end up having a crazy high premium. We, we don't know, or it could just start to remain relatively flat. 
Um, I will be keeping an eye on this data. I'll update you. I'll probably run another analysis closer to release of volume two, just because I find it interesting, but definitely, uh, definitely, uh, definitely interesting, definitely interesting. So hopefully that you, you all enjoyed this analysis. I know I had a lot of fun, uh, going through it and kind of just running these numbers, seeing how they worked and just, just looking at everything, but let me know what you guys think. Let me know what, what you guys think overall. And, um, let me know if this changed your mind or helped you to influence your decision. And if you like hearing this, if you do, maybe I can try and do this with different products and just collect your selection because it is something I enjoy to do. It's just, it's a lot of work. So but hope, hopefully you enjoyed that. I know I hyped this up, so hopefully it lived up to the hype. Um, but anyways, Gen Con is this weekend online and in real life. We've got a great, uh, main topic, great special guest. Let's get into it now. Turtle school weekly focus. All right, everybody. And for our main segment today, I do have a very special guest. I'm super, super excited to have this person on. He's actually a member of Mike's team on Team MRG. And you may have listened to him before, gone on his streams. Uh, you know, I'm just going to play this drop real quick. And I think you guys know who it is. And we have Emperor Coos, Mr. Couscous himself, Marcus Cantarsi. How are you, man? Hey, I'm doing good. What's up, guys? Oh, man. I'm stoked you're on the show, man. Yeah, thanks. Stoked to be here, man. Uh, pretty happy to fill in for Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we uh, we had planned Mike to be on the show today, and then he ended up not being able to get to my house before his flight to, to Gen Con. And I was like, yo... Uh, do you have any backups? Anyone else I can have? He's like, ah, let me hit, let me hit up Coos. <laughs> yeah, it worked out perfect. Yeah, I wish I was in Gen Con too. Not gonna lie, but hey, you know, it's cool. We're still here talking about DBS. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, and for the top main topic today, uh, Marcus and I are just gonna be kind of breaking down Gen Con, our thoughts on it, uh, different decks we think we'll see, and 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 things of that matter. I know. A lot of you are going to be in attendance, whether in person or even online, uh, for the events that they're having. And at, we're recording right now. It's Thursday night. Uh, I'm actually going to try and drop the podcast tonight. So hopefully a little early, get the information out for you all. Cause I think if I'm, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Marcus, I believe there's an event that starts tomorrow, right? Yeah. 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 So I'll, we'll, uh, we'll have this out tonight. Hopefully, you know, if you needed some last minute tips, this will, this will help you guys out. <laughs> but um yeah we'll just we'll just jump into it so marcus i'm really i'm excited to kind of hear your input and your uh kind of thought process here about gen con um i know whenever i'm preparing for a tournament i try and start gauging what kind of decks i'm gonna see and what i think the room's gonna look like uh what in your opinion what do you think the most popular decks are gonna be at gen con oh man it's, it's a little tough one because of the recent ban list right so we haven't really had like an established format yet um, that being said you know one of the most popular colors whenever it comes to a new format is always blue so i feel like we're going to see a lot of blue decks soul striker should be really popular uh super same for vegeta you know um, and maybe even some rogue blue decks who knows but blue is always a fan favorite that you could always count on seeing and i know you uh you when i remember back even earlier in the days of baby, Mike was playing it a lot. And I saw you were, you were also finding success with baby. 
you had the spicy, uh, the five drop Frieza in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I love baby. Uh, I thought it was a really good deck at the time. And, you know, I try to get a little spicy with it. Um, <laughs> I saw, you know, all these decks that are drawing a bunch of cards and playing a bunch of battle cards on board. So I was like, Hey, if I play Frieza, I could potentially mill them out. Yeah, I and, just win. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I really liked it. Uh, had a lot of success with it and a lot of fun with it on top of that. Um, but yeah, uh, blue is definitely a color that I like to play. Do you think that you're going to see, if you were at Gen Con or anyone going to Gen Con, do you think that they will see Blue Baby at, in any spectrum tomorrow after the ban, after the hit with it? Yeah, you know, it's funny because I keep telling the guys uh, on the team that I don't think the ban hurt Baby that bad. Uh, it definitely did hurt them, but I don't think it was to the point where Baby's absolutely unplayable. But I do think the current meta and some decks out there just really shut down Baby and it, that's what makes Baby unplayable, not the ban list itself. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that the, I, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. I think the deck is just fine. I think some others have just kind of, I don't know. They've just kind of like, they just outshine it. You know, they're just like a little bit above, but I, I agree with you a hundred percent. The deck is not as bad as people act like it's completely dead. I'm like, I don't know. This deck's still pretty crazy. Right. Yeah. Most of the time, you know, uh, as soon as you negate with baby, you're going to go ahead and servant that card to the bottom of the deck anyway. So most of the time you don't have a battle uh, card in place. So the nerf doesn't really affect you that much. Um, it hurts, but yeah, definitely not to a point where it's unplayable. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, but so, but in your opinion, it's, it's not going to be popular tomorrow. No, I don't think Baby will be popular. Uh, I do think Soul Striker will definitely be the number yeah, one yeah, um, yeah. deck. You know, Blue just has so many options, right? You could build Soul Striker like Mono Blue, Blue Yellow. Um, you could choose your own tech cards, you know, whether you play with four drops or you don't. There's just so many ways to build it. It's such a versatile leader. I think it attracts a lot of people and it draws a lot, and everybody loves to draw. So. Yeah, you can't go wrong with a deck that draws a ton of cards. Uh, it feels good when you play it. You untap energy. It does everything you're not supposed to do in DBS. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. I agree. Um, other than blue, are there any big decks in the room that you're expecting to see? Or do you think that's going to be the majority Is a lot of people on blue? Yeah, I do think a lot of people will be on blue. Um, I think Cell Surge is a pretty strong deck as well, which we should be seeing. But... You know, contrary to blue, Cell Surge is almost not as fun playing, right? It's just hand destruction, kind of boring. You drag it out. Um, so I'm not sure if people will opt to play that. Black aggro decks are still very popular. I know um, the thwarting package is like a big deal right now. So people will be splashing that a lot. Um, so I, I could see some people playing black aggro decks as well. Okay. Okay. So yeah, I mean, I, I I think I would agree. You've got people on a lot of people on blue, and then also people trying to get in the black aggro decks and the the cell surge hand destruction. Um, I th and I think that pretty much is kind of like the three, right? Like that's what we're seeing is people talk about like the big three kind of things in the room. Yeah, for the current format, I would say those are the big three. Um, but you know, don't be surprised. We could see some you know rogue decks, and by rogue I mean like King Piccolo. You know, like decks that were good. And maybe they're even better now after this ban list. Um, we might see some launch decks that come out. Uh, so there's a lot of opportunity for rogue decks to perform well. But as far as like popularity goes, yeah, I think Soul Striker 
and some black aggro deck will take like the top two spots for the most popular decks and then sell surge in third. Okay. Okay. So just kind of to expand on those three, um, in your opinion, what, what beats what, like, what are we looking at? Like, is, are we thinking this is like a triangle kind of format? I've seen a lot of discussion on cell surge versus, um, soul striker as well as SS4 Vegeta. And I've seen a lot of players on kind of different, different sides of the road on it. What, what's your opinion on how these decks perform just versus each other? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if anybody watched a Danny wins tournament stream this past weekend, but he played cell oh, surge great. and <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a ton of fun. First of all, I'll definitely check out his stream, but, uh, he played against a lot of super Saiyan four Vegeta's and he just destroyed all of them. Yep. Right? It was just not even close. So I know for a fact, cell search has a good matchup against super Saiyan four Vegeta. Um, I, I heard soul striker. It's about like 50, 50, um, you know, it really depends on the type of Soul Striker and how they open up. And then the black aggro decks could give Cell Search trouble. Um, so as far as a triangle format goes, I'm not sure, to be honest. I'm not sure if there's a triangle format. A lot of decks seem to have decent matchups against each other. Even if they're behind, it's more like a 60-40-ish type behind. The only one that's like extremely lopsided, I think, is Cell Surge against any deck that wants to play the late game. Because if you're a deck that plays the late game, Cell Surge is going to take your hand away. Yep. Yeah, for sure. And which is really interesting because it, it seems like that really makes Cell Surge one of the better positioned decks just based off that kind of analysis. It, it seems like it has a decent matchup going into the, going in against those big three. I mean, maybe not as good against the aggros, but you have a good, decent against blue. You know, 50-50 with Soul Striker, very good against Vegeta. And then you're also beating out a lot of these random rogue decks because you can just rip their hand away. So that's that's definitely interesting. Yeah, it's definitely uh, poised for a good pick. You know, but then on the other table, you have Soul Striker, where it may not be as good against those late game decks, but it handles those early game aggro decks better than Cell Surge does. So, yeah, it's really a wide open, kind of pick your poison type of deal. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, the format itself, you know, for the past year, to be honest, there's been a lot of really good playable decks. Uh, even with the whole banlish uh, thing, like there was a lot of decks that were actually really playable. Yeah, yeah. It, I don't think it ever really got the chance to be fully explored because that ban hit so quick, and it was, you know, I get it. I, 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 I was a fan of the ban list, but at the same time, I don't know if it was as. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? I guess I don't know if we were as desperate as some of us made it seem to be. <laughs> I don't, I don't <laughs> yeah. know if we really explored answers before we just screamed to ban the deck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that usually is how it goes for the community, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, so you talk about picking your poison. So I have to ask if you're going to Gen Con tomorrow, do you know what deck you would play? Man, that's a really good question. Um, I didn't play test as much as I would have liked. I felt like Zamasu was a good pick. Uh, really? But, wow. Yeah, but that's just me and my Homer in me talking. Uh, <laughs> not not the based off you know, man himself. <laughs> yeah. You know, I wish I could have tested it more, but um, I do like blue decks. I do like Soul Striker. You know, just drawing a lot of cards. 
the awaken turn three on Soul Striker is really powerful turn. Um, it's just so versatile. You know, whenever I played blue, you have so many options with you know your God ceiling techniques, your unison plays. Uh, if you play Obuni, you have your four drop Obuni plays. Like, yep. yeah, and now now we so have that uh, blue yellow Obuni, the the Goku black card. It's like Obuni right. on crack. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there's just so many options you can take and. Me, when I play DBS, I like to play a deck that just gives me a ton of options. That's why I put Rebirth Frieza into my baby deck. It's just a whole new line of options that I could do. So, yeah, I'd probably go with Soul Striker. Okay. And now, and just to clarify for the listeners, when you say Zamasu, we've got Set 10 Zamasu, and we've, we've got the old school uh, energy ramp, the, the Set 7 Zamasu. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> yeah. You know, all of the set seven one is interesting because the tragedy package is actually really good. <laughs> uh, I'm definitely going with a set ten. Set ten though. Yeah. yeah, I love swinging twice with my leader and drawing two cards. I love the Zeno Unison ramping up. Uh, definitely set ten Zamasu is the way. Man, I've always been so surprised at how low of a price the Zeno Unison has just remained. I always yeah. thought that was a card. I'm like, oh, this is going to be one of those cards, like almost like the counterplays from set 10, how like they all got bought out and then like the SPRs are all like $20, $30, whatever. I was like, that's going to be uh -huh. Zeno Unison too. And it just still sits at $10. I'm like, man, this is crazy. Yeah, that's actually crazy. Yeah. The card is actually very powerful. It's honestly one spirit boost card away from being very broken, you know, because you're ramping up and gaining so many tokens on the Unison. I mean, unison counters. Right. And as soon as one card comes out that has a really good spirit boost effect that could utilize the Zeno unison, then that Zeno unison will be through the roof. It'll be bonkers. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I, I agree with you. That, I feel like that card is criminally underplayed. <laughs> yeah. Same. Um, I almost played that card in Baby. Really? You know, I was, yeah. I was actually oh, thinking about playing it in Baby. Yeah, <laughs> just so I could like, generate wild. a drop area and I could ramp up to seven so I could play turning the tide faster. Uh, I tried it out. It didn't work out as good as I hoped it would have. But yeah, I mean, I tried it. Hey, I don't I don't blame you, man. You know, but that try yeah. it in every blue deck. See if it works. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Um, all right. So I want to talk a little bit, too. Um, and I don't think I prepped you for this one, but just as we're talking, it's kind of made me think because really we've have two different formats coming up with this Gen Con event. We have the, the in-person one, which is obviously best of three, but then we also have the online one, which is best of one. Of everything we talked about so far, do any of your opinions change moving from best of three to best of one? Are there any decks of like those top three that you would maybe consider more strongly or maybe you wouldn't consider at all? Um. I would consider maybe Cell Surge stronger for best of one, um, because we all know there are some sideboard options against Cell Surge, like Dabura. Um, and people in best of one won't main deck Dabura, right? Maybe some person does, but it's really rare. Right. Uh, but and in how a best many are of you going to play? Like one, two, and do right, you see exactly. <laughs> exactly. But in a best of three, you know they're going to side deck Daburas. So I guess in a best of one, Cell Surge might perform a little better. Okay. Okay. No, that's, that's a really cool take. That's a really cool take. Um, and then in, in best of three, 
are there any cards that you think are really important? Like you just said, Deborah, obviously an important side deck card. Uh, anything else that you would consider maybe for the the black aggro matchups or the blue matchups that you think is going to pretty much maybe be mandatory across the board or for a wide majority of decks? Yeah, um, that's actually a really good question. I'm not sure what blue would side in against, uh, like black decks, um, but you still have your generic uh, side deck cards that are still really strong today, like Kotsukai is still pretty strong, Dog Power Mass Sane is still pretty strong. Um, so I, I do expect to see some combination of those stuff. Um, and not to cut you off, but because you brought up Dark Power, Black Mass Saiyan, how do you feel about, say you're playing against Cell Surge, how do you feel about playing Deborah knowing that Cell Surge could play Dark Power, Black Mass Saiyan? To me, it like freaks me out. I'm like, bro, I might just side in this dead black card in my green yellow deck because they play this dumb one drop. I don't, I don't know. It, yeah. it, it sketches yeah. me out a little bit. Yep, it's unfortunately like a necessary gamble that you just have to do, right? Because you know Cell Surge is going to side in those Dark Power Mass Saints for right. sure. Right, Yeah, and it's just a matter of who sees it, I guess, Man. you know? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's wild and it's crazy, but... And both are one energy, oh, so it's like, ah, who gets to your one energy play first? <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, it's a necessary gamble. Sometimes you just have to go ahead and, you know... Hope for the luck of the draw, right? Heart of the cards. <laughs> oh man, yeah. don't don't get me started on Yu-Gi-Oh. I was doing Joey Wheeler <laughs> voices all on stream the other week. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, okay. I just sorry, I didn't mean to to interrupt you. I just uh, when you brought that up, I was like, Deborah versus Dark Power Black Mass saying, oh, oh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you know, sideboard options. It really depends on the deck build, but I do think the generic sideboard options are still like really, really powerful. Um, you know, even like Haru Haru, for example, like against, you know, green and yellow leaders. Oh man, so that's spicy. You could still, yeah, exactly. Technically mill something like, I mean, play something like that and it mills two on top of that if you need to generate a drop area. Like, yeah, there's a lot of spicy cards, a lot of old school sideboard cards that are still like really good. Yeah, that's uh, I actually I hadn't even thought about Harahara. That's that's that would be really cool to see someone tech into their sideboard. That would be really neat, especially yep, with Soulstriker. We yeah. still have the Borgo stuff, you know, right, like right. Those are still really valid, decent sideboard cards. Yeah, no, for sure. It's funny. I uh, I, I think there may be people on that because I have a, a TCG player store, and my Borgos got. I think they got bought out. <laughs> Like a couple a couple weeks ago, preparing for Gen Con, so that, that oh, wow. you may be spot on with that one. There may be a lot of people on Borgos. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's a coincidence. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, no, that, that's that's a valid point. That's a valid point. Well, I think that is uh, that's all. Like that's this is all really helpful info. Um, it's so it's so weird because when you think about it, we have not really had much of any best of three in a long, like I can't, when it was, do you know when the last best of three tournament even was like a big tournament? I don't yeah, even know when it was. Um, yeah. Honestly, my last best of three event, I think was. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> like, was it, it was... Miami? Like, I don't know. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking, right? Like, I, f I can't remember if the in-person regionals were best of three or not, because I went to a, like a Vegas regional and I played there for fun. 
I'm not. I forgot. I think that was best of three as well. But yeah, okay. it was a long time ago. But Miami is like the last like real event that I remember going to, where it was like an actual you know best of three long day. Yeah. Long term. And that was about. so long ago. That was like yeah. what at least seven eight months ago. Yeah, it was Something like, like in March. Yeah. Yeah. About six yeah, months. So six ago. six months. Crazy. Yeah. Six months. Yeah. So <laughs> just yeah. it, it's going to be interesting because so many players have been just on best of one. I'm just. I'm really intrigued to see what people do to to mix it up. Um, oh yeah, and there's a huge difference between best of one, best of three. Oh yeah, completely different game, you know. Uh, oh, absolutely. From a building perspective, from an actual playing perspective too, like it, it's just a totally different ball game. So it's gonna be really cool to see some new things in these best of three events. I agree with you. Um, do you have any like just kind of just staying on that topic? I know I'm sure there's people listening. I know I've talked to a lot of people who this will actually be their first big event. Um, like they played webcam regionals, like best of one, but this is going to be their first big in real life event. Best of three. Do you have any advice of people who are used to just playing in the best of one that are now kind of stepping up to the next kind of level of tournaments? Yeah. You know, uh, game one is really important, right? So best of one definitely helps you train up for that. Uh, winning game one is a really big deal. But even if you don't win game one, and I tend to lose a lot of game ones, make sure you learn a lot from that game one. Because unlike best of one, you still have a couple more chances. So you play against a player, that's your opportunity to study that player, study their deck, see what they're trying to do, their play style, all that stuff. So if you're going into a best of three event, you know something that's different compared to best of one is while you're playing, you have an opportunity to learn about your opponent and even if you lose that game, you could gain some valuable info that help you win game two and three. That's solid advice because I definitely, it's just not, and not getting tilted, right? <laughs> like it's basically like, yeah. don't yeah. get the tilt. I remember when we were in Atlantic city, I needed one more win to top. And I had two rounds left. I was like, I know if I just want one more, I top. And this was the event where I played Joey and then Pat O'Neill, who are both playing Hercule. And it was a deck I went into not respecting. And then Joey beat me so badly game one. I just tilted. Uh -huh. I like literally didn't even care. I was like, I wasn't thinking. I was just playing cards for no reason. I was like, this is stupid. I hate this game. <laughs> like, I tilted yeah. so badly. I probably took any chance I had of winning that. And then I was like, whatever. I'm just going to play next round. There's no way I play another Hercule. I play Pat. Oh, no. I'm like, oh my God, oh, no. this is awful. <laughs> so I completely yeah. tilted out of that whole tournament. I could have had a chance. I don't really know because I just wasn't focused. So mm -hmm. that's very sound advice. Don't do what I did. Listen to Marcus. <laughs> yeah, definitely don't want to tilt. That's definitely a no-no. <laughs> and yeah, like, you know, off every loss, you could learn some stuff because I know me as a player, I noticed I've been tracking this like for the past couple years now since webcam events started. I always do good in like real life events and best of three. Like I tend to top quite often, but those webcam events always get me. And I was like, man, what am I doing wrong? You know, why can't I make top cut in these webcam events? Why is it so hard? You know? And then I just noticed me as a player, I tend to lose game ones quite often. Uh, but games two and three, I think I do much better. I think I use that game one as like a almost like warm up game where I just learn a lot from that matchup. And then win game two and three. It's not a good thing because you want to win game one. So I'm not I'm not saying this as in like, oh yeah, go, go ahead, lose yeah, just, game just one. Throw you it. know? <laughs> no, not at all. Like that is not what you want to do. But 
I'm just trying to prove the point that even from a loss on game one, there's stuff you could learn and take away from that game that help you for game two and three. No, that, that makes total sense. And these are, uh, I hope everyone's taking notes. This is really, really sound advice. It seems so simple, but like if y'all haven't been in a, like a long tournament before and you haven't experienced this, like, I guess that's good for you that you've never experienced tilt or lost a first like game one, <laughs> but like <laughs> it happens. And like, you have to be in the right mindset. A lot of it's, I don't know. Sometimes you can really get in your own head with these things. Yeah, definitely. And you know, honestly, everybody gets tilted. It, happens all the time but yeah if you're good at catching yourself before you self-implode then you know that's a big bonus yeah for sure for sure um and then so i mean and now we have anniversary box i know it was legal i think for the last webcam event i think that was the first one where it was legal but i could be wrong maybe it wasn't i don't know i don't know if you know is this i'm not sure either I can't, I can't remember. I don't know if this is, this might be the first event actually with anniversary box legal, but regardless whether it was or wasn't, um, how much of an impact do you think this is going to have? Like, do you think we're going to see any of these cards pop up or do you think we're going to see brand new decks? Um, what's your opinion on that? Um, I know there's some hype around the Bardock leader, right? Um, that came out from the anniversary box. Yep, Yep. Um, but overall, I haven't heard anything crazy. Um, I know there's a few cards here and there that people might play with, um, but I don't think it like impacted the meta like a new set would. Yeah, yeah, I don't think so either. That um, the Bardock deck is interesting. I I feel like it's going to be a, and I could be wrong. I just I just feel like it doesn't keep up with some of the top decks that we have right now. I feel like it's close. It just doesn't get there. Yeah, I I agree with that too. Because I I actually really love the deck. That's probably what I'm going to be playing for like months. Because I've wanted this. Uh, listener of the podcast, no, I've wanted this for a long time. Like these kind of effects. But <laughs> um, in another card game, I played it. I played a very similar deck. But in that that game, it was like a really good strategy. So I'm hoping they expand upon it. But yeah, I don't know. I've been like messing with it and building with it, and it just feels like it's just. I don't know. It feels like it's a step behind where we're already at, or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay. Are there any, so let's say, um, are there any cards specifically that you would be throwing in? Like, I know you, you're a blue player. So there, are there any blue cards for anniversary box that you would be throwing in your list now from anniversary box? Uh, you know, to be, all right, I'll be hundred percent honest here. Spilling <laughs> some spice, you know, um, Uh-oh. something that I've been looking at is, uh, Bardock the Tenacious. Um, this is an old card we've seen. I think it's from set 11. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, the one that where you overwhelm it, yep. you pay one black energy. It says your opponent can only attack once more during their turn. Yep. Um, so back back when I used to stream as well on Twitch, you know, I would tell my viewers, guys, this card is so good, but there's no good deck that could utilize it right now. Uh, we're just like a certain... Uh, archetype away from this card being broken, like something X black deck away. So I would always preach that, you know, some deck that is one color with black that's going to break that card because it requires a black energy. Right, to play that. right. So when they released those black multicolor cards, you were like, uh, oh, the first baby. thing that came to my mind. Yeah, there. exactly. I was like, oh my God, like we might be able to find a control deck that 
could be black X uh, with some other color and abuses that Bardock card where you just pay that one black multicolor energy and now your opponent can only attack once and then you just overextend and go all out. On your following turn, you do the same thing um, with like some other floodgate and then repeat. Um, so that's something that I've been ah, thinking about. Cool. I explored the idea of doing it with blue. So I was like, all right, a blue-black deck where I'm going to play Bardock the Tenacious one turn. The next turn, I'll leave energy open up for like Vegeta Ray to rumble or even Hatch. You know, Baby Hatch is a really good secret rare. And then the following turn after that, I could play Bardock the Tenacious again. So it's just like three turns of you only attacking once, you know, like or or none at all. Um, so that's something I've been looking into. I haven't found it yet, though. I haven't found like a good deck to play it in yet. I told the idea to Mike. Mike told me try green black, so you could do something like Bardock the Tenacious, and then the next turn you do something like Dormant Potential, and then the turn after that Bardock Tenacious again. Um, yeah. That's so yeah, it's super cool. Interesting. Yeah, um, that's something I'm looking into. I haven't found it yet. One of the listeners, maybe you could find something <laughs> broken and message me. Uh, but yeah, you know, out of Everything that came out in the anniversary box, the thing that I was most excited for was the black multicolor cards. So we might potentially break these black cards that require black energy. Man, that is so interesting. I've never thought about that, but that's so interesting. And yeah, like just having three turns back to back, just shutting your opponent out, but also being able to aggress. That sounds wild. Mm -hmm. Like imagine blue baby. Being able on the crackback, just being able to aggress every turn. <laughs> like, that's crazy. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, like, I really like the idea. And as I'm building these decks, though, I see, like, Danny and Marcel playing Cell Surge. And I'm like, ah, this is, like, the worst <laughs> matchup for me. So, wow, <laughs> this deck sucks, you know? But, <laughs> yeah. So, I just haven't found the right time to do it yet or the right deck to do it with. Yeah. Yeah. Fair, yeah. fair enough. But. Man, that that that's pretty spicy, though. Yeah, I, definitely. Let me know if you if you find a way to crack it. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> for sure, I want to know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Oh, that's cool. Um, okay, cool. Well, I was I was just really interested to hear your take on on anniversary box, uh, being that it's new, you know, and obviously now it's in enough abundance that probably if there's any car people want it going to Gen Con, they're probably gonna have it. Um. Do you think that people are going to be on that blue, yellow, Goku, black instead of Obuni? Um, that's a good question. I, I think, yeah, it's depending on the color of the deck, right? If they're playing a blue, yellow Soul Striker, for sure. Um, if they're playing mono blue, then they'll just go with Obuni instead. Um, but I, yeah, I've heard mixed feelings about blue, yellow, or mono blue. And honestly, I don't know either which one is... <laughs> a better choice to go with. Um, so yeah, it's a tough one. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know either. I've played very little <laughs> for the, for the yeah. past format. So I, I, that's why I'm real curious to hear your, your opinion. Cause I'm, I'm learning too. I'm like, Oh, well, what does Marcus think? <laughs> right. I know the blue yellow version gives you access to the blue yellow Zamasu that we see quite right. often nowadays. Right. And yeah, that card is extremely strong. Um, you know, being able to target unisons with that card is a pretty big deal. Um, but at the same time, Soul Striker can't untap those dual color energies, and they could get in the way. So yeah, it's there's pros and cons to both of them. 
Um, but I don't see like a clear-cut winner that, no, this is the way to go. I okay. think they're both yeah. good in their own regard. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, all right, well, I do have, I have one more question for you. Um, and this is obviously almost every, I feel like most tournaments, you know, I mean, we've had tournaments like way back when Mecha, Mecha Frieza was 31 of top 32 or like, you know, we've had like crazy top cuts where it's like everything's expected, but a lot of times there's always those one or two decks that pop in and you're like, how the hell did they make it all the way through X rounds of Swiss and make it in there? Is there a deck that you feel is going to come in and just surprise everyone that's just off everybody's radar? Oh man. Um, I mean, obviously if, if you were there, there it would be set 10 Zamasu, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. Um, that would be funny. I, I have heard some talk about like green go tanks making a comeback. Um, you know, so I think if there is a deck that surprises us, uh, it won't be a brand new deck. It will be something that was popular once back in the day. Um, but I think maybe Invoker. That will be my really. That will be my you know playing the six drop. I guess yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, play with the six drop and just the whole victory strike route. Right, right. Um, That'll be maybe my, you know, dark horse pick, ah. so to say, as in like, how did this get in here? You know, <laughs> we'll have to start, yeah. start taking bets. <laughs> yeah, I, I still think Invoker is not a bad deck. I think it's still pretty decent. Um, and the game has slowed down. We we don't have those like hyper aggro decks anymore. So maybe Invoker benefits from that. So yeah, that'll be my pick. Nice. Okay. Well, that that was, that was a good pick. I wasn't expecting that one. That's solid. <laughs> yeah. And you know, people who play Invoker, they're diehard Invoker fans, right? They're good players too. So. Oh, yeah. You got to be. If you're not a yeah. good player playing Invoker, I, you must not have a fun time with this game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I picked up Invoker one time. I was like, man, I suck at this game. I can't play this deck. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, same here. I picked up Invoker once and I was like, I don't know why people play this deck. And I know. I just stopped. I messaged Sublet and I was like, you're a maniac. <laughs> you're crazy. Yeah, he is. <laughs> See, he's like the perfect example of someone who would go to Gen Con and just play Invoker. Yep, so yep. I could see Sublet doing good at Gen Con and sneaking in with Invoker and we're all going to be like, what? Invoker again? <laughs> <laughs> you mean it's still here? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Well, cool. Well, uh I think we're going to start wrapping it up. I, I really appreciate you coming on. I think that we've gone through a ton of really great tips for anyone attending Gen Con tomorrow uh, or for the Saturday event. I think there's two events going on, but uh, is there anything else that you'd like to say or any shout outs that you want to give? Uh, yeah, you know, shout outs to my team, MRG as well on Team Crossworld maybe nowadays. I don't know. We're going through a little rebranding. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, if you're going to Gen Con, just have fun. Enjoy DBS. Uh, hopefully, we get a Nats announcement at Gen Con. That'd be cool. Oh man, I'm uh, dying to hear that. Yeah, and you know, hope people get vaccinated so this whole COVID thing can go away, and you know, we could get back to more in-person events. <laughs> yeah, I need the in-person uh, events. <laughs> yeah, we all do, man. We all do. So I'm dying for in-person events. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, just do your part, and we'll get there. Awesome. Well, uh, Marcus, Emperor Coos, it's been an honor, sir. Thank you for coming on the show, and uh, hopefully we'll definitely talk again soon. Sounds good. Thank you very much. You have a good one. You too. I got a special order on a pallet of sweets for Jocko. Wait, aren't you Monaco? 
Manaka's delivery service. I know, I know it should be results of training. I have not had much results of training. I have not had much of an opportunity to play lately. Uh, we had an emergency at home and uh, it's been a bit of a crazy week for us here. So unfortunately I did not have really any time to play Dragon Ball, but I have to give our shout out to our sponsor, ProMats. You guys already know ProMats, the best mats in the game. I've already talked about in this episode. What else do I need to say? The Hermit style mats have gotten the best feedback I think I've gotten of everything I've ever sold. Every single person who has gotten this mat so far has immediately messaged me and just basically said they were blown away. The colors are so vibrant. The quality is amazing. The stitching's perfect. It looks great. Roshi's right on the left side, but huge shooting off a blast. Hermit style is big. We've got the QR. I mean, man, it's so sweet. Shout out to Bruce again for uh, for designing that, but um, ProMats just absolutely killed it in producing these. And uh, yeah, if you haven't gotten a ProMat yet, definitely get one. I've got a couple Hermit-style ones still left in stock if you want to pick one of those up. They also have tons of other great designs. He just released a Jiren comic book-inspired design that is wild-looking. Uh, oh, man, it is, it is real sweet. So if you... Uh, are into Jiren as a character or play Jiren, it's definitely a mat for you. Check it out. And he has sleeves that go along with it that um, match whatever mat he is that he sells. So definitely check out ProMats. It is ProMats-Customs.com. Get yours today. All right. Uh, but we will go into mailbag and do a couple quick questions here before I hop off for the night. And then uh, actually I'm going to upload this tonight too. So uh, let's see. Pulling up mailbag now. If you guys haven't yet, once you get level seven in the Discord, you can hop into Manaka's delivery service. It's a channel in the first category and uh, put some questions in that you would like to hear me answer on the show. So I'm just going to scroll, pick one randomly, and let's see. All right, this one comes from SS4 Bearded Vegeta. Just, just a forewarning, have not read any of these yet. I literally scrolled and picked one. Uh, he said, what feels worse? After conceding to your opponent, they proceed to show you the many other ways they could have won or losing to someone in a tournament who tells you they are new. <laughs> um, definitely the first. After conceding your opponent, they proceed to show you that, man, just shut up. Don't, <laughs> don't show me how you could have beat me. I know you could have beat me, bro. That's why I conceded. You don't need to show me. That, that's super arrogant. If you do this, please stop. <laughs> um, it's, it's also bad when they just win, like you don't scoop, but they win. But then they have to show you how they could have won more. And I'm like, yeah, bro, I, I understand that you also had your big boss monster to play after that boss monster. And you also had the FDC in your hand for your leader swing and so forth and so on. I get it. I lost. You don't have to keep drilling that into me. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that, that is definitely the worst losing to someone in a tournament who tells me they're new. Uh, that doesn't really make me that mad. I, it kind of makes me happy. I'm just like, yeah, good, good for you, man. You know, if, if you're new, you did good, good job, you know? Uh, <laughs> so definitely, definitely the first one losing someone new is whatever. Um, just cause you're new doesn't mean you're bad at the game, you know? Uh, I've seen plenty of people jump into this game new and, and do well, or even vice versa. Like sometimes there's people who play to the game for a while, but they just hop in with a brand new deck that they barely know how it works. And I just do well because they're a good player. So my hat's off to those people. Good, good for you. I can't do that. I, I got to grind like hell to, to do well in a, <laughs> in a tournament. So no, that, that one don't really bother me. But the first one, Ooh, that is a pet peeve. Please don't do that. All right. Uh, one more question. Let's see. I'm going to scroll again from the top, pick a random one. Okay. 
Majin Collector, Phil, he said, are there clues to look for in meta decks to tell you what kind of strategy they are going for? Should you try to play around those strategies? That's a really interesting question. And I think honestly, there isn't a correct answer to what you're looking for. It really depends. We see formats change, but we also see the way we build decks change. So like for a while we were getting very archetype driven and we actually recently had a conversation about this in the discord. Um, and at that point, the clues to look for in those kind of meta decks was to first look into the archetype and then what synergizes with that archetype to kind of find your little spicy text to throw in. Uh, but now we've gone into a format where it's not as much archetype driven, it's much more good stuff driven. So it's just basically finding a leader of choice that does something powerful and then basically just finding how, how do I make this work with the best cards of that color? Like if you're playing black, a lot of probably the majority of black decks are trying to find a way to fit in thwarting, right? We're trying to fit in that Gogeta. Um, if you're playing blue yellow, you're, you're immediately probably playing that Zamasu. So right now you're looking at what are the most powerful cards in this color and how can I make them work with this leader I've picked? And then my leader can kind of dictate how I go about building the rest of that deck. So hopefully that kind of answers your question. I just don't think there's like a one way answer to what you want to see. I think that answer can easily change depending on what kind of decks we have and what the format is. And then just looking at synergies, um, you, you can find really, really cool things looking at different synergies. We've gotten to a point where our card pool is starting to get fairly wide. So even just doing simple things, like if a card works, say, say your leader does something with like a God character, um, or maybe like specifically a piccolo again, I'm just making this up, but, there's nothing wrong either with going to the DBS website. What I'll do a lot is just put in whatever it synergizes with. If it's a God deck that focuses on God cards, I'll read every single card with God in it. Um, or another cool thing to do is not, might not necessarily be a God, but there might be non-God characters that do things in their effects with God. So it might not be a bad idea to search just for that. Um, just like in the description, there's a way to search like uh, cards with that exact word in their text box. Just search for that and just see what pulls up and just read everything. See see if there's any cool cards you think you could maybe make work in a certain deck or archetype. But there's so many different ways to go about it. I think you just have to be really open-minded and um, take things for what they are and, and realize what, what kind of format we're in. Are there decks that are archetype-driven? Are there decks that are just good stuff-driven? We've had a lot of formats of both in this game, so you have to kind of recognize where you're at and then start going from there. All right, everybody, and that is going to wrap us up for today's episode. I appreciate you all so much for staying with us at Hermit Style. Um, next week, I'm going to have a really dope episode. I will give away the guest now. It is Top Sun Goku. For those of you, I'm, some of you, I'm sure I've, we have our podcast, mostly competitive players. A lot of you are going, who's that? Um, he's actually one of the most renowned collectors right now in the Dragon Ball Super Space. Uh, he actually has his own podcast. He has the largest podcast for Dragon Ball Super Card Game Collectors. Uh, it's called Passion Over Profits. And let me tell you, this guy is passionate. So it is an amazing episode. I know not everyone is into collecting, but the information that he provides that can help you to guide purchases to help guide how you go about looking at different sets and kind of seeing the collector's perspective and point of view can actually help with a lot of decisions you make financially as a player, as well as just learning more about the collector space. You guys know 
I'm all about both. I love collecting and I love playing. So this was an absolute treat for me. I had a lot of different questions, um, but a lot, a lot of cool things to, uh, to learn on there. And if you haven't checked out his podcast, definitely do it. He recently had Evan U7 on his show, which was really fun to listen to. And he, like myself, is trying to really bridge the gap between players and collectors because there is a definitive gap there. And it really is two different worlds where we both love the same thing. Um, So bringing them together and seeing what we can do is a really cool thing. And I can't wait to share it with you all. But until then, I hope you have a great week. Good luck at Gen Con. I hope you all top and I'll see you then. I try whatever I